0: Welcome to this podcast featuring well known Bible teacher Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Church Live class, and then we only have two more sessions on this area. And then uh, just, just to sort of let you know ahead, on August the 22nd uh, will be a very special Sunday. It'll be our commitment Sunday uh, for those coming into membership or those who want to confirm their membership. So that's August the 22nd, which will be Commitment Sunday. So we have two more lessons, and we'll be sharing more on the on the uh, on the lesson on commitment in a couple of Sundays' time. So just uh, I'd like you to make a special note in your calendar on uh, that date. All right. Uh, I want to read from Luke chapter 16, and I'm going to read uh, read it from the Amplified. As you follow along in uh, King Jimmy's translation or whatever translation you've got, I'm going to re- read it from Amplified. Luke 16 and we're going to read verses 1 through to 13. Also Jesus said to the disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a manager of his estate. And accusations against this man were brought to him that he was squandering his master's possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management of my affairs, for you can be my manager no longer. And the manager of the estate said to himself, What shall I do, seeing that my master is taking the management away from me? I am not able to dig, and I I am ashamed to beg. I have come to know what I will do, so that my master's debtors may accept and welcome me into their houses when I am put out of the management. So he summoned his master's debtors one by one, and he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures, about nine hundred gallons of oil. I wouldn't mind that in my backyard, would you? Price of oil. And he said to him, Take back your written acknowledgement of obligation and sit down quickly and write 50, about 450 gallons. After that he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, 100 measures, about 900 bushels of wheat. He said to him, Take back your written acknowledgement of obligation and write 80, about 700 bushels. And his master praised the dishonest unjust manager for acting shrewdly and prudently for the sons of this age are shrewder and more prudent and wiser in relation to their own generation that is to their own age and kind than are the sons of light. And I tell you make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous mammon that is deceitful riches money possessions so that when it fails they those you have favored may receive and welcome you into the everlasting habitations or dwellings. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is dishonest and unjust in a very little thing is dishonest and unjust also in much. Therefore if you have not been faithful in the case of the unrighteous mammon, the deceitful riches, money, possessions, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not proved faithful in that which belongs to another, whether God or man, who will give you that which is your own? That is the true riches. No servant is able to serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Mammon riches, that is, or anything which you trust, that is, or anything in which you trust and on which you rely. May the Lord bless uh, that word to our hearts. All right, first thing I want you to put on your lesson this morning, and I'm a man under authority, I'm acting under instruction on this. uh, On the right-hand column up the very top, I want you to put the date, the 25th of July, 1982, on the top of your lesson sheet. On the lesson nine, on the right-hand column at the top, lesson nine on Christian stewardship, put the 25th of July 1982 as I said I'm a man under authority I was told to do that I don't know why but I've done it (laughs) oh the news sheet oh that's on the news sheet not the lesson sheet okay see (laughs) communication so it's on this sheet not the lesson sheet Carolyn I didn't want you to you know (laughs) yes this lesson this uh, News bulletin. Well, there you are. That's what you call communication. Having an ear to hear what Carolyn says to the the elder. <laughs> Thank you, Carolyn. <laughs> Good. I wondered why. <laughs> well, I know why. All right. This morning we want to uh, talk on squish, uh, Christian stewardship, and particularly on the area of tithing. And uh, again, because we're condensing about 32 lessons here, I sort of have uh, two lessons to cover. Uh, which can always be frustrating to me trying to pack so much into such a short time. So uh, I'm going to move quickly through uh, the first page here and then the main area I want to talk about is uh, tithes and offerings. And I just want to stay right from the start here and just commend you as a church as a whole. Uh, Waverley Christian Fellowship is just a tremendous church for a uh, tithing and offering church. It really is tremendous. And so this is in no way any condemnation this morning. I want to encourage those who are consistent in tith- tithes and offerings and I want to get to those who don't even pay a dime to the Lord. So everybody clear, so I've got two classes here this morning. Those who are so good in giving to the Lord and those who rob God. So I'm after the robbers this morning, is that alright? <laughs> I said is that alright? <laughs> all those who pay tithes said amen. <laughs> good. Alright, I'd like us to read the the top paragraph on our Lesson 9 here, Uh, the first paragraph on stewardship. Okay, all together let's read it as a congregation here. Stewardship is the practice of systematic and proportionate giving of time and, and material possessions based on the conviction that these are a trust from God to be used in His service for the benefit of His kingdom. It is a divine human partnership with God the senior partner. It is a way of living, the recognition of God's ownership of one's person, one's powers and one's possessions and the faithful use of these for the advancement of Christ's kingdom in this world. Now I want you to go way down to the bottom of the sheet for a moment on question number four and then we'll come back to uh, number one, two, and three. In this uh, parable that we have of the unjust steward, I'm sure that those of us who have read our Bibles over the years, I used to read that scripture and used to think, well, when this man uh, who was a steward or management of a household here, uh, when he wasted his master's goods and was called to give an account on it, why is it that he went out and he told the different ones where you take down and alter your bill, cut it in half and so forth, which was a very, very dishonest thing. And then I read afterwards, well the Lord commended the unjust steward. I thought, well how can the Lord commend an unjust steward for doing something dishonest? And uh, how many have read that parable and wonder why the Lord commended the unjust steward? Because what he did was absolutely dishonest. So how can the Lord uh, commend him for doing something dishonest? So I sort of looked at that parable and then eventually I heard someone minister on it, uh, a few challenging thoughts and uh, I sort of felt I came up with uh, what I believe what the Lord was talking about. So, uh, I want you to go down uh, to number four for a moment and just fill in a two or three of the answers that I've just put lines on on the right hand side. And we're going to move through this area reasonably quickly uh, because as I said the main area I want to talk about is tithes and offerings in relation to being stewards. Alright, uh, are stewards accountable? Yes. See the parable of the unjust steward. Eh? What does being a steward mean, okay? Being a steward means, and quoting from the Amplified here, and you can fill in on this, manager of an estate or actually a household manager. So what does a steward mean? A manager of an estate or literally a household manager. The uh, Greek thought, I think, if I remember correctly, it's uh, oikos, house, and uh, something else. Anyway, it means the manager of a household, manager of estate or household. Uh, B, the second question, what was the steward accused of in verse 1? He was accused of wasting his master's goods, or the Amplified says squandering, squandering his master's goods. So the steward was accused of squandering or wasting his master's goods. Question C, do we have to give an account of our stewardship when? Verse 2, the answer is yes. We do have to give an account of our stewardship. And we will find that the answer is both in now, in time, and eternity. Uh, God calls us to give an account now. He doesn't always catch up on everything at the moment. But uh, many times God does, as we're going to see. So the answer is... Uh, Do we have to give an account of our stewardship when? The answer is yes, and now, and at the beamer seat, the judgment seat of Christ, uh, spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So the answer is yes, now, and in eternity when believers stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Not the great white throne judgment, but the judgment seat of Christ for believers. Uh, We're going to have a very special Thursday night uh, session coming up with Brother David Searle and he's going to take us through a little bit of the background on archaeology and so forth on the the city of Corinth and uh, probably we'll be dealing with some of this in the city of Corinth and uh, that's going to be in a couple of weeks time I, I think. Are you available that night? Thursday night on our Catechism for Charismatic Corinthians so I just want to put a little plug in there. Don't miss it going to be a very, very interesting session. All right, uh, question E. What did the unjust steward do with three of his Lord's debtors? Three? I missed D. A D, I'm sorry. Okay. Is it possible to forfeit our stewardship now or in eternity? The answer is yes. And by forfeiting our stewardship, and I'm saying yes, it means that we receive a lesser position. Now we're not talking about losing our salvation. The parable is not dealing with losing our salvation it's dealing with accountability for stewardship, lack of faithfulness. So in eternity we determine our glory and our position in the kingdom of God. And that's a vast subject in itself and we can't uh, go say any more on it this morning. So is it possible to forfeit our stewardship now or in eternity? Yes, uh, with a lesser position in the kingdom of God. That's your answer there. Yes a lesser position in the kingdom of God. E, question E, what did the unjust steward do with three of his Lord's debtors? Simply, he cut down their debts. He almost cut their debts in half. Now, that was a very dishonest thing. So, he did a dishonest thing, but we need to note what he did. What did the unjust steward do with three of his Lord's debtors? He cut down their debts. Uh, He acted dishonestly. He cut down their debts. He acted dishonestly. Question F. Why did the Lord commend the unjust steward for the wrong action he took? All right, listen carefully to the answer. I'll read it from King Jimmy's translation and then from Amplified again and then just give you your answer there. And the Lord commended the unjust steward not because of his dishonest thing but because he had done wisely or as the Amplified says, because he had acted shrewdly and prudently. Uh, And his master praised the dishonest uh, or unjust manager, not for his dishonesty but for acting shrewdly and prudently. Uh, And then the comment that the Lord made for the children of this world or this age are in this, this generation wiser than the children of light. So he praised him not for his dishonest act, but for the fact of his wisdom, that he was shrewd in his use of his master's money. So that's what the Lord was praising him for, his wisdom. And the whole point is that the Lord is saying, well, if the children of this generation are shrewd in their dishonest use of unrighteous mammon, money, finance, possessions, then why are we not as children of light, why aren't we wiser in our use and an honest use of financial that's what he's commending. Okay, so is everybody clear on that? So let me say it again. The Lord is not commending him for his dishonesty, but he's commending him for his wiseness. He's being shrewd in his use of the, of the, uh, of the master's money, the unrighteous mammon, uh, the riches and that. So he says, all right, if the children of this world, this age, they're wise, they're shrewd, they're prudent in their use of, of uh, unrighteous mammon money, why aren't we as the children of light? Why can't we be wiser and shrewder and more prudent in the use of the same unrighteous mammon and use it for the kingdom of God? So that's, that's what he's commanding him for. So your answer there is under F. Why did the Lord commend the unjust steward for the wrong action he took? The answer is for his wisdom, for being shrewd and prudent in the use of money, for being wise for his wisdom, for being shrewd and prudent in the use of money. All right G, question G, what is number one the unrighteous mammon? I found in verse 9, 11 and 13 and number two the true riches. All right the unrighteous mammon refers to money and possessions. The Amplified brings it out a little bit clearer than King King Jimmy does. Uh, Make to yourselves friends uh, by means of unrighteous mammon That is, deceitful riches, money, possessions. So the unrighteous mammon is referring to riches, money, possessions. All right, what are the true riches? He says, uh, if therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, riches, who will commit to your trust the true riches? All right, what are true riches? All right, in our understanding, true riches are the eternal riches because the time comes as Jesus said here and uh, this is just one of those scriptures that show that our our economical system and the, uh, the, financi- the finances of the world are eventually going to collapse. Uh, he says in verse 9, I say unto yourselves, or I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness that when ye fail and also Amplified says when it fails, so that when it fails eventually the money it won't be worth anything. So I want to invest as much in the kingdom of God as I can now, so that when it, money fails, I've got some true riches laid up in heaven. We used to sing an old chorus in Salvation Army, lay up treasures in heaven. Right? Don't lay up treasures on earth. Because if the financial system collapsed tomorrow, how many of us would worry? I would. <laughs> But I wouldn't, you know, the world would go on just the same. Just have to get my wife to grow more carrots in the backyard. And I'd stand guard over them at night. All right, so what is the unrighteous mammon? It's referring to money, riches, money and possessions. And what are the true riches? The true riches are eternal values. Things that money cannot buy. Eternal values. All right, H... Question 8. What is the key word used four times in verses 9 through to 13? Let me just read those verses again. See if you can pick up the key word. It's used four times. I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, or when it fails, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. Uh, He that is unjust in the least is unjust also much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the righteous mammon, who will commit to you your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? What's the key word there? Faithful. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. It is required of stewards that a man be found faithful, trustworthy. Can God trust us with money? Can God trust us? All right, so the key word, what is the key word used four times in verses 9 through to uh, to 13. Are we such? The word is faithful. Are we faithful this morning? Are we trustworthy? All right, I. How can we make to ourselves friends of the unrighteous mammon? Verse 9. All right, Uh, as I said I'm trying to combine two lessons here. All I can say briefly here, I'd like to explain it a little bit more fully but I'm just going to give you a brief answer. By the wise use of all that God entrusts us. How can we make to ourselves friends of the unrighteous mammon? By the wise use of all that God entrusts us. For instance, we could briefly say this. Uh, When we stand before the Lord in the... Day of Judgment, the Judgment for Believers at the Beamer Seat of Christ. And uh, the Lord says to some of us, well done thou uh, good and faithful servant. And uh, all of a sudden somebody up in heaven comes to and says, oh thank you Brother Connor. Uh, Thank you Brother Holland thank you Pierre or Carolyn or just name anybody here. And uh, you say to them, what's your name? Oh, my name's Fitztwiddle. Well, we have never met, have we? No, well, I'll tell you what happened. When we were down on the late planet Earth, you remember that? Yeah, that was before that Third World War when we were blown into kingdom come. Yeah, I have faint recollections of that. Well, you were at Waveney Christian Fellowship and you used to give missionary offering once every Sunday, right? Yeah, and some of that money was sent up to Chow Koon and and... Uh, sark and out in the mission field well that money helped support somebody up there and uh actually bought some bibles and uh, accidentally somebody gave me a bible and i was converted to jesus christ and that was because you used unrighteous mammon and sent it to the mission field that bought some bibles and it was through that that i was won. To the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm in heaven because you made a wise use of the unrighteous mammon listen to what it says but I say unto you make to yourselves friends of the unrighteous mammon the mammon of unrighteousness that when ye fail when you die when it fails finance that they who's they that they may receive you into everlasting habitations this man did it so he could be received into a natural habitation. He said, okay, what I'll do, my master's going to kick me out of the household of being his household manager, so what I'll do, I'll go to my Lord's uh, debtors and I'll tell them to cut their bill in half so that when I'm thrown out, they will receive me into their habitations. I'll at least have a house to live in. But Jesus is saying, if that man did that to be received into earthly habitations, use your money wisely for the kingdom of God so that when you fail or when it fails, there's going to be those souls in heaven that will receive you into everlasting habitations because you use money wisely for the kingdom of God. Everybody get what I'm saying here? Okay, now let's go back to question one here. Well, to me this is a very important point and just reaffirming to those of us who have been around for a few years and those of us who may be new in the Lord. What is the difference between ownership and stewardship? And I don't think I can overemphasize this point. Ownership, God is the owner of all things. We don't own anything. Genesis 14, oh, I'm just going to quote some scriptures here. In verses 19 and 20, when Melchizedek came to Abraham, uh, Melchizedek said to Abraham, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. So God is the possessor of heaven and earth. He owns all things. Psalm 24, we used to sing it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything belongs to the Lord. Psalm 50 verse uh, 1 to 12 he says that everything's mine. He said, if I were hungry, would I tell you? If I want a steak, would I ask you? He said, the silver and gold are mine and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I've got steak on legs. So if I were hungry I wouldn't ask you, because God owns everything. And so all those scriptures there, the, uh, the silver and gold are mine, the cattle upon a thousand hills. So the first thing we need to recognize, God owns everything. Can you say amen this morning? He owns my house, so he can keep up the payments on it, except it's paid for, praise God, thank you Lord. But it's his house, he owns my car, he can keep supplying the gas when I get one mile per gallon out of it. He knows I've got to pay it to the Arabs. That's perfectly right. But He owns everything. And so we've got to get that mentality, saints, that whatever I have is not mine. Everything I have belongs to the Lord. He's the owner of everything. Let's say that this morning all together. God is the owner of all things. Amen. Let's say it again. God is the owner of all things. Do you really believe that this morning? he owns everything all right stewardship what is stewardship we are not owners we are but stewards responsible and accountable well that's a very solemn thought that everything we get food finance material possessions riches everything we're accountable to the lord we are just stewards we are managers and i'll put two columns there god is the giver Man is the receiver. God is the possessor of all things. Men are just stewards. God is the owner. We are responsible. Uh, We have the privilege and we are accountable. God is the rewarder. We may use, abuse and lose. God rewards us and he rewards the faithful. Well done thou good and faithful servant. So the first thing we need to recognize, God owns everything. We own nothing. And you know, we're living in an age of such material possession, materialism... This is mine. Everything's mine. That's mine. I'm out to get everything I can. See, possessiveness, materialism. Well, So anything I've got belongs to God. I'm just a steward, a manager over what He entrusts with me. All right, number two, five major areas on this owner-steward relationship. What are the different owner-steward relationships? Five things that God has uh, given us, just uh, of many things. Under A... The most valuable thing that God has given us, first of all, is life. What you have received, life. Life is becoming so cheap now in the Western world, it's cheap enough on the many other nations, but it's becoming cheap now because of abortion. Life used to be the most valuable thing, but doesn't mean a thing now. The child doesn't have life. They say to Young girls who are having an abortion, there's no life there. We're just removing unwanted material. And what about the mother? Her life. Doesn't matter about the child. The child is not a child. Uh, It frightens me. It makes me tremble before God. Doesn't it make you tremble before God? Life, the most valuable thing God has given us. All that a man hath will he give for his life. B, the second uh, major thing God has given us is time what you are allotted teach us the number our days. None of us know how much time we've got. My times are in thy hands. God can take our life any time he likes because it's not your life. It's life that God has given you. He can take me. He can take me home tomorrow. I don't want him to. I'm enjoying life. But none of us know. Our times are in God's hands. We've got to be ready to go at any moment. Number C God has given us talents. Every one of us have certain talents, natural talents, spiritual talents as well. Number D, God has given us possessions. None of us are poor in this place. In fact, the poorer, poorest of us here are rich compared to the have-not nations. You come with me to India. You come with me to Bombay and Calcutta and Pune. And walk up and down the streets where the lepers are lying in the streets half naked and... There was no big deal. I gave a, a shirt. I had about 10 shirts with me and I gave a shirt to a fellow in the meeting there. He was in rags and tatters. He just put the new shirt on top of his three old ragged ones. I didn't even miss it but you know he just wore that out into another. And the, the, the poorest of us here are rich compared to the have-not nations. All these are side benefits of Christianity if uh, only our people would realize it. Possessions. Under E... The next thing God has given us is finance, money. So life, what you have received, time, what you are allotted, talents, what you have been given to use, possessions, what is entrusted to you, finances, what you labour for. I do want to encourage you to read the scriptures we've put there because we're not taking time on it in these lessons. Number three, what are the requirements of a good steward? Faithfulness. A. Faithfulness. It is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. B. A, a good steward must be teachable. C. A good steward must desire to minister and serve people. Minister to other people. Serve people. D. A good steward must have the heart of a servant. And E. A, a good steward must be willing to give. Have a willingness to give. All right. Let's turn over to the other side of the sheet here. Now I'm only picking up the one area on stewardship this morning, though everything we've got life. We're accountable for our life. We're accountable for our time. We're accountable for our talents. We're accountable for our possessions. We're accountable for our finance. We're particularly looking at the area of finance this morning. Having established the fundamental principle that God is the owner of all things and that we are stewards accountable to God for all He has given us, this lesson considers what we are to do with that which God entrusts to us. Number one, what does the New Testament say about finances? Uh, I collated this material from various sources over the years and I thought that it was well worth putting on this lesson sheet when we originally did this. A. The Gospels contain more warnings against money and its misuse than any other subject. That's a pretty heavy statement. B. One in every four verses in Matthew, Mark and Luke deals with money. C. One in every six verses in the New Testament as a whole deals with or makes reference to money in some way. Almost ha- D. Almost half of the parables of Jesus have reference to money in one way or another, particularly warnings against covetousness. E. The first Apostle to fall was Judas. It was because of love of money. He sold Christ out for money that he never lived to spend. F. The first sin in the early church concerned the giving of money to the Lord. Note how Satan entered into the scene of the glory of the early church through money when the spirit of giving was on the people. G. The sin of simony simony, concerns money and seeking to buy the gifts of God with it. H. It is worth noting that two of the New Testament words whose Greek numerical value equals 666. The number of the world system are wealth and tradition. Wealth and tradition. Numerical value 666. The power to buy or sell is connected with it. I'd like you to turn over to First uh, Timothy on number 2 here through to uh, 10 here 1st Timothy chapter 6 and verse 7 through to 10 and uh, this to me is a very powerful scripture for we brought nothing into the world can you say amen to that what did you bring into the world absolutely nothing we were just the bare thing and it is certain we can carry how much out? Nothing. And so between... He's he's taken two points here. Birth and death. If you want to put that there in your notes. We brought nothing into the world? Birth. So just put on your little... if you got any room there. Birth. How much we brought in? Nothing. It's a lot of material isn't it? Then he puts the other end of life We don't know how much time we got between the midst of life, we're in the midst of death and I believe we have to be ready to go to meet the Lord any time we got death. So put under death we take nothing out. So nothing plus nothing equals nothing. Right that's very intelligent. So we brought nothing into the world at birth. And we take nothing, although these days we do take something up. they dress us up nice, put a nice suit on us, little flower over our little chest here, glasses on our eyes and nice little smile. You know, I look at some of the funerals I've had to take and in America they leave the coffin open and everybody in the church you file by and look at the coffin and think, boy they make you look attractive, I feel I'd like to die if I, I look, I'd look nicer in death than I do when I'm living. They put a little bit of lipstick on you and a bit of rouge, is that, that type of thing. Is that what you women wear? <laughs> War paint anyway, whatever you call it. <laughs> <laughs> well I better get off that one. So <laughs> we come into life with nothing and we go out death. We got two doors, birth is a door, we enter life, death is the exit. And between that time our birth and our death where we brought nothing, our whole mad life is a struggle for something. Possessions, possessions. And the root thing is money, 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 money. The God of mammon. So listen to what he says as we continue. So he brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be cont- let us be there with content. The basic necessities of life. Food and clothing, food and clothing, the basic necessities. When I was in India, I talked to people and they said, all we want is food and clothing. We just want the basic necessities of life. We don't want to be rich. We just want food and clothing. If we've got enough food and clothing, that's all we want. Basic necessities. But, verse 9, that they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Uh, What was Judas called the fallen apostle, the fallen one of the twelve? I have lost none of them save the son of perdition. What did Judas fall over? Let's, Let's read into it, Judas. For they like Judas that will be rich fall into temptation. The temptation to sell Christ out for money he'd never lived to spend. And a snare, a trap. And into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. And here Judas, a minister, apostolic ministry. One of the twelve apostles he falls over finance, money. For the love of money and uh, I suggest if you haven't already done it, circle the word love. He doesn't say for money is the root of all evil. Uh, If I was writing it I'd say money is a necessary evil. But the love of money is the root of all evil. All evils, the Amplified says, the love of money is a root of all evils. Which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith been seduced from the faith the margin says and pierced themselves through with many sorrows and you can certainly put that over judas and you know when we look at our whole financial system today saints you no know, what what is the purpose of horse racing what's the real motive behind it money what's the what's the purpose of bingo money What's the purpose of all our gambling? Money. You go through everything. There's a, I, I really believe there's a spirit behind this age on money. That there's a spirit behind gold. Just look back in our, only, our early uh, nation's history on the gold mining days. The people that were murdered and slaughtered. And I've seen people who get after gold. There's almost as if there's a, a demon spirit behind gold that gets hold of people and destroys their lives. Money. Money. There's a spirit behind it. And uh, thank God I don't sense any of that here this morning because I, I want to commend you as a church because this is a tremendous giving church. But a lot of churches you get up, oh Brother Collins is on money. I know he's always after money. He's always talking about money. And money's the most touchy things. People get so mad if a preacher dares mention money. Because they have the motto. And when I was in a Particular Full Gospel Church they they used to tell me this Brother Connor you're a pastor and we believe God's motto is Lord you keep him humble we'll keep him poor. So I got six dollars a week in those days and paid my gas and electricity out of my food. That's why I tell you from time to time my wife married me for my money. Never did find it. (laughs) I being of sane might spend it all. money 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 for the love of money is the root of all evils it is through this craving that some have been led astray and have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves through with many acute mental pangs. But thou O man of God flee these things. So not money but the love of money. Money as I've got on the note here money is not evil in itself. Money is neither moral or immoral. It is the love of money which is the root of all evil. All right, number three, what does the Scripture teach concerning tithes and offerings? I'd like you to turn over to Malachi chapter three. Malachi chapter three. And I'd like to read uh, verses 8 through to 10 here. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8 to 10. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith saith the LORD of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Let's uh, add verse eleven to, and verse twelve. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, the Lord says here, and uh, we're going to be dealing with so well as. Uh, as people often say who, who do not believe in time, oh, well, that's Old Testament. Isn't it amazing how many times Christians, when they're confronted with the word, uh, particularly if you say something from the Old oh, that's Old Testament. Anything you don't like, give it to the Old Testament. Give it to the Jews. Right? Amazing, isn't it? But here the Lord says, will a man rob God? Now let's look at something here because this is sort of the punchline I want to get to. And as I said, I'm only after the robbers this morning. If you're a robber here and you're not paying tithes and offerings and giving God what belongs to him, I'm after you this morning. So make no you know, qualms about it. That's who I'm after. If a man out in the world is caught thieving, Uh, Generally it used to be like that. I mean the law is made to protect the criminal now. But it used to be in the olden days that if a man was caught as a robber then he was put in jail or fined. But you know as God looks down on the church, in many churches today there are robbers. And uh, what's the difference in God's mind? The robber out in the world who robs from somebody and gets caught and has to pay a penalty or the robber in the church. In God's mind there's no difference see because they're both thieves. Only this robber could be an elder, he could be a deacon, he could be a position but he's robbing God and God says it. So will you, will you will a man rob God say how can we rob God and God says well very clear you rob me in tithes and offerings. We take a man who commits adultery out there it used to be he'd be guilty if a man commits adultery But you know, it's possible to commit spiritual adultery in the church too and get away with it. But in God's mind, they're both both as guilty. But they're protected by the church. So right throughout the world today, we have believers, Christians, who are actually robbing God. So he says, wherein have you, but ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? And God says it very plainly, in tithes and offerings. Now, what's the result of robbing God? He says, Ye are cursed with a curse. Then he goes on about uh, uh, in verse 11 what this curse is. I will rebuke the devourer. Who is the devourer? Satan. He's the devourer. And he shall not destroy the fruits of the ground. And so, Israel, as they brought their tithes and offerings to the Lord, then the Lord blessed their land. He blessed their vineyards. He blessed their their families he blessed. The whole nation was blessed as a tithing giving nation to God. When they withheld their tithes and offerings, God withheld the rain. He withheld his blessing. And so the devourer came in and destroyed. Now I remember uh, a brother, I won't mention his name here just out of respect. Uh, He went to pray for a sister one time who'd had a lot of sickness. And please though I'm saying this, I'm not saying this is the case in every case it is in some cases and this sister had been sick for quite a number of uh, months and couldn't get healed and as uh, this brother we went in to pray for this person uh, the Lord said uh, I don't want you to pray for her healing and he thought that's funny she's asked me to come and pray and he said no I want, a- I want you to ask her does she give her tithes and pay her tithes and offerings to the Lord so he went in to pray and he asked his sister uh, I'd like to ask you a question before we pray do you pay tithes and offerings to the Lord? oh I don't believe in tithes that's legalism that's under the law and we're not under law I'm under grace everything I have belongs to the Lord I just give everything to the Lord well do you give anything well I, well, no but everything I have is the Lord's he can have it anytime he likes it but I never give anything so he said, well I'm sorry I can't pray for you God told me to give you this scripture and gave us some scriptures on tithing A little while later she called and said god's convicted me i've been robbing him i've gone through all those scriptures will you come and pray for me and she she was prayed for and she was healed now you say oh brother Con, you're trying to frighten me no because i'm not i'm not after your money i don't care i'm not asking you to pay tithes to me or richard holland or the ministry here because it doesn't bother me if you didn't pay your tithes i can send my wife i mean (laughs) Now, I can go and work. I've I've been in ministry since I was 21 and I'm 55 now. And most of those years I've worked. If people don't pay their tithes, I can go and get a job. Paul made tents on the sly. When people paid up, he took it. When they didn't, he had a trade and he went and worked and made tents. So, I'm not asking money for myself. This is not for my benefit, this is for your benefit. Okay? Because all you're doing, I find when people don't pay tithes, they're not hurting God when the chips are down. Because God says the silver and gold are mine and you can keep your money. God doesn't want it. You know when the chips are down He doesn't want it. This is for your benefit. It's for your blessing. So I find people who who don't pay tax, they are robbing themselves as well as robbing God. And parents I don't know what you do here because I've only been back a year and haven't uh, talked to you personally on this. But I believe young people children should pay tithes they should be taught to give their money right from the start and uh, giving a tenth back to God The word tithe simply means a tenth now let's just go down to uh question number three a little bit here times moving on what does the scripture teach concerning tithes and offerings uh a we are to bring our tithes and offerings to God's storehouse uh he doesn't say send your tithes I absolutely disagree with radio preachers that I've heard in USA. Uh, please send your tithes to my radio. If you don't, I absolutely disagree with radio preachers that I've heard in USA. Uh, please send your tithes to my radio. If you don't send your tithes and offerings to my radio, then I'm going to have to be off the radio program next week. My box number six six six. Please send me your tithes and offerings. Uh, you know i i i really used to get agitated with radio racketeers god shows me out there in radio land a little widow out there and you've got your purse in your hand if you go and empty the contents of your purse on the radio and send it to me god will multiply what you've got left nothing even my son when he was a little pipsqueak we'd have the radio on in the car oh dad listen to that man turn him off i don't like him he didn't know but the spirit didn't witness and then it says, "Bring your tars, not send them to Box Six Six and some radio. Bring them. I reckon it'd be great if we did it to bring our tars. Bring them up the front, march around here, and have the the you know, the ladies somewhere stand and bring your tars. Don't bother calling your changing to me. <laughs> Go back to America, God. <laughs> oh, you know, I don't want to impose Bible Temple on you, but boy." You know, we, we bring our ties in Bible temple. We'd have the ushers stand there up the front with, with not these little bits of bags we have here. Buckets <laughs> Buckets. Big plastic buckets, that big, weren't they, Joyce? And they'd be full. And we'd have a ball, you know, we'd all march round. Everybody Well <laughs> Brother, Brother Holland doesn't like change. I better hold it. But wouldn't it be fun if they marched round here? Did you hear what he said? And bring your tithes. And look, we used to march around there, didn't we, Joyce? You know, and we'd have a bit of fellowship round. We got our tithing off and then Hallelujah. Glory, how you go this Lord, praise God. glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. March down the aisles, have a bit of fellowship. Bring your tithes. We're rejoicing. Bring in the sheaves, I used to call them. <laughs> Green ones. <laughs> bring your tithes, not send them. There's something we need. We need to get a spirit of joy in this place. and a spirit of rejoicing. Not a funeral service. A resurrection service. Hallelujah. So the storehouse is the place where the people of God are fed. You see, I don't pay my board to the neighbor next door. My wife feeds me and she says, You pay your board here. No money, no foodie. Huh? So I don't like people come along to Waverly Christian Fellowship and say oh this is where I get my spiritual food. There's meat, you get the meat of the word at Waverly Christian Fellowship but I pay my board somewhere else. You pay your board where you're fed. (laughs) Number four, you're looking at me funny there. (laughs) Is tithing for today? Yes, the Old and the New Testament, uh, Pierre, could you put that overhead uh, just up here please? Uh, the Old and New Testaments, please listen to this, the Old and New Testament confirm the truth that believers to give a tithe one-tenth of their income. Everything we have is the Lord's, but the tithe is not yours. By the way, tithing is not yours. Did you know that? The tithe, in, in if you care to read these scriptures, I'm skipping so much here, Leviticus 27, he says, the tithe is the Lord's. So it's not yours to give. It already belongs to God. Before you get your salary, a tenth of it God says the tithe is mine. And, and I might say this, if you only give your tithes or pay your tithes, you're not giving anything to God. You're only giving back to God what is already His. If people only give tithes and no offerings, then you haven't given a dime to God. And there are people who I know who pay their tithes and never give an offering. So, well, you haven't given a thing to God. Oh, I gave you the tithes. God says it wasn't yours to give. I'd already taken it out of your pay. The taxation takes it out your pay before you get it and you don't say, oh, that's legalism. Richard Holland takes my tithes out before he pays me to make sure I pay my ties. tithes. Okay? Legalism. I no, don't worry. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Now, let's look at what we mentioned last Sunday in connection with this. Uh, Sunday we dealt with communion. Now you cannot separate the table from the tithes. So in Genesis 14 on on your sheet here we find tithing was before the law. Tithing is not of the law. Tithing was confirmed under the law but tithing was before the law. So when Abraham was met by Melchizedek, Melchizedek king of righteousness, king of peace, minister to him the communion the bread and the wine and in connection with that Abraham and I want you to note the word it says Abraham gave tithes he didn't pay tithes he gave tithes so tithing was before the law so Christians who say to me are oh, tithings of the law no read the Bible it was before the law then we come to the Mosaic covenant so we got the Abrahamic covenant Melchizedek priesthood associated with the Abrahamic covenant bread and wine, tithes, tithes before the Lord, before the law, Abraham, the father of all who believe. Then we come to the Mosaic covenant, and as we saw last Sunday, we had the Passover, body and blood of the Lamb, table of show bread, drink offering, and the bread and the wine, a rodic priesthood, and God confirmed tithing under the law. So what happened, as you've got in those scriptures here, and, and we have to condense so much here, the twelve tribes tied to the priestly tribes then the priestly tribe also tithe. So there was a tithe, then there was a tithe of the tithe. In fact, I've done a complete study on the whole financial system, God's financial system, through the total Bible, on every reference to money in the Bible. And you know what? God so blessed the children of Israel as a nation when they were in favor with Him, they used to give up to 50% of their money. But when they started to rob God, and God just sent the curse on their land, withheld the rain. And listen saints, you might think this is very legalistic and everything like that. But we pray God to send rain, send harvest, bless our country, stop the parasite, stop the curses of the law, viruses and... Did you know all these things are judgments of God on the land? So we say, oh God stop your judgments!" And God says, look I'm sending judgments because I want to deal with a nation. And you know some of the things that in this nation that we're praying against God's letting come to this nation of Australia in judgment. So we need to be very intelligent in our prayer, what we're doing, and that's a subject in itself. So the Aaronic Priesthood, and so tithing under law, twelve tribes, tithe to one tribe, but that tribe didn't get out of it. People say, okay, uh, you tithe to the ministry, okay, we pay tithes. Brother Richard, myself, Carolyn, who else is supported by tithes here? That's about it on tithes. We pay tithes. Uh, sometimes there, and my, my, my motto is this, God, the more you give me, the more you get. When I was working in a secular job, I said, God, give me a raise, because the more I get, the more you're going to get. And for a number of months there, I was able to pay a double tithe to the Lord. And God made my money go further. Hallelujah. So there, and then when Jesus came along, you read these scriptures here, he said to the Pharisees, you pay tithes of mint and cumin and anise, and so forth, these things ought ye to have done, but not to leave the other undone, the weightier matters of the law, of mercy and judgment and and faith. So Jesus confirmed it, and then I'd like you to turn to one other scripture here, Hebrews 7, uh, just a few moments before we finish. Hebrews 7, and the thing that amazes me as I'm saying is, How many Christians like the book of Hebrews say, Oh, I love the book of Hebrews because Hebrews deals with the new covenant, the new covenant that fulfilled and abolished the Mosaic covenant, the new covenant that was in the Abrahamic covenant, was the highest promise of the Abrahamic covenant. I I love the new covenant and the book of Hebrews. We've got the Lord's table, the bread and the wine. We've got the Melchizedek priesthood. Oh, that's the same priesthood that Abraham had. But why don't they take Hebrews 7 and I'll read from verse 1, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. And then in verse 4, Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham, gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less Abraham, the less, is blessed of the better, Melchizedek. And listen to this. And here men that die receive tithes. Brother Richard and myself, Calvin, we receive tithes. And we're going to die unless Jesus comes back quick. But there he receiveth them. Who's the he? There he receiveth them of whom it is witness that he liveth. Now, who's living? Jesus Christ. Is Jesus Christ our Melchizedek? All right, so it says, Here men that die receive tithes but there he receiveth them, of whom it is written that he liveth. So Jesus Christ confirmed tithing. So why is it that people say, I want the Melchizedek priesthood of Jesus, I want the new covenant, I want the bread and the wine, I want the Abrahamic covenant, I want to be a child of Abraham by faith, if you with Christ, then I Abraham said, but I don't want tithes, that's for the Jews, that's for the law. It's a cop-out because they want to rob God. And then the people say to me, oh, everything I have belongs to God. I don't give tithes. I give everything. I say, Well, how much do you really give to the Lord? And I find I give next to nothing. So I believe that uh, Jesus confirmed tithing. So as you got on your notes, tithing was before the law, tithing under the law, and tithing under grace. Let me say this Abraham gave tithes. Um, Yes, if you've got your Bible open, Hebrews 7. I'm going to quit in a moment. I'd like you to circle two words if you do. Verse 2, To whom also Abraham gave. Circle that word gave. Abraham gave tithes. Abraham gave tithes. He gave a tenth. Go down to verse 9 and circle this word. And as I may so say, Levi also who received tithes paid tithes. Abraham gave tithes. Levi paid tithes. Some people pay tithes as a legal give. Oh, well, I'll pay my tithes if I have to otherwise. Brother, can't all preach on it again next Sunday. Some people pay their tithes as legality. Oh, I'll pay my tithes if I don't. God will strike me dead and he'll kill me little baby and he'll kill me sunshine and he'll kill me little dead horse and my cat and my dog. Oh, I'll pay my tithes. Here yeah. are. Abraham didn't pay tithes. He gave. He gave. Free spirit of giving. Oh, to have that spirit of giving on us. So, you can give tithes or you can pay tithes. I give tithes plus. And so, a, lover, a loving, a legal giver gives because he has to. A loving giver gives because he loves to. So, tithing was before the law, confirmed under the law, and it's under grace. Let me just sort of finish with this. We've always taught our children to give. Mark and Sharon, right from when they were little pipsqueaks. So, you know, you go to Cole's New World. You know, and so we get our money. And when our kids were little, we'd give them their pocket money. And Mark and Sharon, they've never known anything else to, about, uh, but, but to pay their tithes and give tithes. So we'd give them their money. So here I got 20 cents. Two, four, six, eight. 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, and 2. So all that, all that for me, Mark used to say. All that for me and that little bit for Jesus. Here, catch it Jesus. But we taught them right from the start. Parents, are you teaching your children giving or you want God to keep your children alive and healthy and well and you never teach them to give young people are you giving your tithes well because that's not so bad mark didn't mind when he got that please pocket mine and gave Oh, two whole two cents I got that Jesus you helped that but you see as you get older and you go to work and you start getting these color How many would love this? I would say, oh, 20, 40, oh. I rebuke you, wind. That's an evil wind coming from the north there. 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, 120, 140. Wouldn't you like this? 160. Some of it's my wife, some of it's the Lord's. Uh, another 180. 200. $20. Oh, two cents, Lord, please take that. <laughs> I don't feel so bad about two cents, but oh, 20. What's Richard Holland going to do with it? Oh. And I've only got 180. Oh, let's, I don't like that. Let's get rid that. Let's try something else. Calls you well. Ah. Tithes and offerings, a tithe of the tenth. See what i got for myself first, because I've got to take mine first. One, Boy, <laughs> Now don't laugh at me, because you see, you people going back to Malaysia and all this, and these poor countries, these have-not nations. When I was in New Zealand, we had a brother down there with the Marys, and say, so, oh, I never teach the Marys to give tithes and offerings, they're poor people, so he took them down in his car, the wheels were always flat on the bottom, the air was always on the top. They never, and the Lord convicted him and said, You've got to teach those Maoris to give. But he said, They've got no money, Lord. He said, They can give potatoes and sweet potatoes and kumis and cabbage. And so they'd come along bringing their eggs and their potatoes. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight nine for me oh oh, my praise God oh Jesus oh there's one little bad one here I'm sorry Lord give me, give me that bad spot thank you <laughs> here's yours this is for the ministry it used to be amazing when I was in the ministry how people would bring me the broken eggs because they couldn't sell them Bring me socks with holes in them. Right. And I, I thought, would you give it to Jesus? And you yeah, used tea bags. Honestly, a missionary in Thailand, I know personally. He used to get missionary food parcels at Christmas, and there was used tea bags in them. Right. There was at least a tenth flavor left. Right. This is true. Right and they had nine tenths of them and he said if you squeezed them and hammered them with a meat <laughs> thing you'd get some juice out of it <laughs> how can any Christian be so mean honestly how can we be so mean and say Jesus that's all give Jesus the broken eggs. give him the leftovers that we can't sell when he says give your best and so we've always made a practice with Sharon and Mark and they do it now Mark used to pay double tides sometime there because you never you can never outgive God first thing you get your pay is give to God can you be so mean oh of my total salary or just what I get oh the government's taken that oh how, how mean can we be when everything we have is his all that I am all that I have all that I ever hope to be is thine alone and we can never buy buy God out with money we're just given back to Him what He's given to us. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. And I just want you to be honest this morning. We've, tried this, we've gone through these principles of Church Life class because you see, we're coming up for membership commitment and part of commitment is paying your tithes and giving your tithes and offerings to the Lord. Not to me, not to Brother Richard, but to the Lord. Do we give it to the Lord? Because He's the judge He's got the record, not us. So this is for your benefit. I'd like every eye closed, please. Let's put the word into operation. And as I said, I'm not after those who are such good givers. And God bless this whole church, tremendous giving church, Waverly Christian Fellowship is. I want those who, you say, okay, I realize I've been robbing God. You might be a young person. You might be a child. You might be an adult and say, I've been robbing God, yet God's given so much to me. And I want to repent of that sin this morning and start giving back to God uh, what He's entrusted to me. No, nobody looking around please. All eyes closed. People have businesses. They wonder why their business doesn't work. Are you paying tithes? We can pray to we're blue in the face. People come and say, Pray for my business. Pray for this. Pray for this. The first thing I'd like to do is say, Well, are you paying your tithes? You want God to bless your business. You're robbing God. And you're asking me to pray in the church for you. Now you start fixing up with God and God will bless your business. God will bless you automatically. I don't pray for God's blessing. It's automatic. So I'm after the robbers this morning. If you've been robbing God for your, for your benefit before God, would you raise your hand just where you are and say, I'm going to start paying up to God. Bring into God. Yes, God bless you. You can put your hand down as soon as you raise up. Thank you. Somebody else. Yes, God bless you nobody looking around there's a very sacred moment God bless you yes yes God bless you yes God bless you brother yes brother God bless you we want to don't want these just to be a series of studies we want to put the word into operation five or six people have responded here and God sees their heart that's the main thing anybody else you want to respond you can't outgive God my wife and my family We've been to a doctor about two or three times in our life. We've just had such blessing on us. You can't outgive God. Anybody else just before we pray? Father, we just thank Thee for this time of sharing together in Thy Word and the challenge of Thy Word to our hearts. And Lord, we do thank Thee for so many of Your people here who are so faithful and consistent, Lord, and such good givers, Lord. And we just know that You've blessed this church and bless your people in such a tremendous way spiritually and physically and materially and uh, jobs and everything like this lord we've got so much to thank for. and father we just pray particularly for those who raise their hands lord i saw their hands but you saw their heart and as they make that consecration to you lord to give back to you first what belongs to you then lord we know that you'll bless what we have left and it'll be pressed down, shaken together and running over. Lord and that you'll lift the curse that comes upon us when we rob you Lord. Oh Father we just pray that these sessions will not be just a theory Lord or information but that we'll be obedient to your Word. Father we just pray that as we continue now in worship and praise and everything that is to be done in the rest of this meeting just have your way in our midst and be glorified, we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. These messages are based on Kevin Connor's best selling book, Foundational Principles of Church Membership. Visit kevinconnor.org for details.